If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. Drink more whiskey. What? Uh, hi, Patrice. Hi, Morlea. I know everybody's like <laughs> leaning back, and I'm like, hi, I'm gonna do the hi thing. <laughs> hi, Courtney. Yeah, and I was just like laying back. I was like, oh, forget gonna... about me. I'm right here. Yeah, I was looking hey, at Courtney. you. Hi. <laughs> we were. We were you're like, hi, motherfuckers. <laughs> we were giving you a time to like collect. That's what it was. I, I give you no some time. Uppers, some form. <laughs> Courtney's well, like, you know, it would go legal. great with this whiskey. <laughs> uppers. <Cocaine. laughs> I said legal ones. <laughs> like. Oh my god. Oh lord. Well, I am so happy that we are all together. It's been a mm-hmm. hot minute. It has. It has been a hot minute since mm-hmm. we've been together. It has. And I know it has because I didn't do the dishes since y'all left. <laughs> oh, oh, no. And I came back down and I was like, oh, <laughs> shit. That's why we're never going to leave without doing those again. Oh, I know. No. I mean, it's all on me. I'll, no, it's not. No, it's not. I will not. do it. It was we my dish. No, no. 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 Oh, let's fight so about. You knew it's been a minute. Fight. Fight. It, it's been Based a minute. Based on the dishes. Based on the dishes. I was like, shit, it's been a minute since I've been down here. And of course, like the swarm of gnats. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> out the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> and I set the gnats on fire with my torch. And she really did. Fine. <laughs> There's like some therapeutic, like, <laughs> fire. Torching. Like the bug zapper. Bug zapper. <laughs> going bug zapper. on. And Marley the whole time was like, don't set the liquor on fire. Don't set the liquor <laughs> on fire. She took a torch to the liquor cabinet. <laughs> and I said, what? You, you said they're me- in bottles. It would have to melt the glass. Exactly. I know. They are not in plastic glass bottles. And I didn't know no whiskey was harmed in the <laughs> killing of these <laughs> gnats. <laughs> no whiskey was harmed in the making of this drink. Nope. Or mm. the drink. Mm. <laughs> what is our drink? Uh, what <laughs> hellfire old fashioned? fashioned. Yeah, I had a lot of smoke, smoky uh, fire kind of names in mind, but wildfires it's not a good look to be naming after that right now. Uh, Unfortunately, there's too many oh going on. Yeah. But I wanted to do, I got a smoker, a smoker, a smoker kit, a smoker nice. for my birthday. So to be able to smoke cocktails and from Randy, producer, oh. I suppose, or whatever he is. Oh, he, he is our producer. Maybe we should sound call him editor. our producer. Sound editor. Okay, Patrice yeah, is like, sure. nope, sound editor. I'm the producer. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. So I was like, what's the best drink to start with? And it's some, no, it's hot as fuck. Like, it's hot. Oh, my God. There's just no way around it. We've had the most heat advisories or heat warning we had last week right the heat warning which because mm-hmm. it was over 110 is what i learned right feels like ever feels like yeah that i've ever i think ever had i really do so anyway but i still wanted to do a cocktail that had smoke oh. <laughs> and, we're, and we're in the basement and i got the air conditioned down low <laughs> i was picturing us actually like getting it very cold but i didn't want to run up your power bill <laughs> putting on the yule log and then like putting on a sweater and like smoking these cocktails and pretending that it's winter oh. in august <laughs> 
That would just but, be. It could still happen. Yeah. I mean, I've already given up. Like I figured, like I'm gonna have to take out a second mortgage for my electricity. Oh my god! Like, it's so bad. As much as I pay for my electric bill right now, I could have another car. Man, easy. Easy. Is it that bad? Oh, yeah. We need to do some insulation or something. It's just so. Yeah. So much. Well, this drink is really good either yes. whether it's cold or hot outside mm-hmm. i did a combination because i also this summer made mary cherries which i just listened to what we talked about when i canned the canning and so i used some of my freshly made mary cherry juice Love. it's like a combination of an old-fashioned and a manhattan because mm-hmm. i did put these cherries in it but i got a new zester so i'm zesting up this like mm-hmm. orange peels sugar bitters we use bullet rye and uh, put the smoker on top, and mm. like all all the best. Ice. It's all mm-hmm. the best. Yes, it's, it's really good flavor. Delicious. It's very good. The smoke adds something. It was really fun to do, and the smoke. But it makes me feel like we should be all like in a dark room mm-hmm. on leather couches. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, like, <laughs> there should be mahogany everywhere. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like in a prohibition bar. Yes, some <sighs> cigars and. Cigar. Yeah, cigar. It's, it's cold outside. It's cold outside. Yeah. Oh man, this is gonna make us so depressed. I'm when gonna leave. Compl- it's gonna be like 9 p.m. and it's gonna be like 86 degrees outside. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs> it doesn't matter when. If it's like nine again, I'll complain about that. Like <laughs> anything under 32, I'm gonna be pissed off about that. Just like anything over like 90. <laughs> right. Same. Oh, same. So yeah. Well, cheers. It's delicious. Cheers. cheers, y'all. Cheers to y'all. Mm-hmm. Do you have updates? Therese, take a sip. Take a sip. Okay, I'm going to take mm-hmm. a sip. Mm. Ah, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I have and a strange so, uh, At the time week. that we are recording this, uh, two of us have started teaching tons of classes mm-hmm. for college in the past week. Mm-hmm. One of us has started taking a college mm-hmm. class for the first time in 20 years. And two of us have had our children's first full week back at school. And it's just like, and uh, one of us has had to do a uh, memorial. So- I mean, it's just been like, it's been a it's shit like, show. And been, that doesn't even include nearly half of the shit. Right. So, yeah. I don't know why I said all that. It was something about just you say, saying that you were a shit this bad. week, but yes, you're not. I'm, I'm, yes. One thing we haven't talked about. Um, which the, I had on my list. Okay, go ahead. Yay. Is that our birthdays were, my, mine and Marley's birthday has been since we've recorded Oh, oh has it really? I knew it had yeah. been like a really oh, fucking yeah. long time. It's because been a, it's we, been a we while. did two weeks in a row, and we, so that way we had four oh, episodes. Oh, that's right. So yes. we were just about to have our birthdays. That's right. We so had our birthdays. We're still in August, so that's yes. close enough. But, yes. Uh, we're still in August. But yeah, we had a good time. We had a couple of, we usually have more parties than we had this time, but we had fun. We, we did. did. There was karaoke. Yes. There was so much fun karaoke. So much fun karaoke. Ear pissing. Ear pissing. This is the new trend in Alabama, just in case you haven't seen the news. Ear pissing is what everybody does at parties around here. It's the new king. <laughs> Piss in my ear. Say it's raining. <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> hey, does anybody want any Tata Tots? <laughs> tata Tots. That was what I just listened to. The Tata Tots. So yeah, she's trying to say ear piercing. Our yes. friend Lindsay. Yes, our friend Lindsay like pierced multiple people's ears at her just, birthday party. Like, she she brought these awesome little things that she had bought, and they just got delivered to her house. And they're these little sterile, independent packaged ear piercing kits. 
and she was just like okay you know she cleaned it she's very good at oh yeah she's, she's very awesome. good at all things like makeup fashion mm-hmm. like she's she's extremely talented and she's like but with this she's just like yep i cleaned it up i just like she just looked she marked it she went okay one two three chunk, and they had ears like they had ears <laughs> they, they had ears so you got yours pierced i did and our friend who else got theirs pierced demetria demetria mm-hmm. demetria got her ears pierced and then the next Friday, she pierced mine. <gasps> I have mm-hmm. the second hole. She did oh, mine on each side, wow. too. I just I pulled up that. my headset to reveal my to newly reveal. pissed ears. So it's a piercing party, a karaoke party, a dart party. Mm-hmm. A we just pool need a party. Yeah, not a swimming pool, but a billiard Dude. pool party. Maybe I should go to school for that instead. <gasps> and then business. we also kayaked. With 17 of us. Like yes, we had a 17. 17 person kayaking trip the other day of our birthday weekend. Uh, then Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was so, um, yeah, good times were time. had. Good times were had. Mm-hmm. Um, is that your, is that? Yeah, I just wanted to say that, that we had such a good time at our party. Like karaoke was the most fun. Yes, I it didn't was. know how much. Fun, I mean, I annoyed people till like one thirty in the morning. No, I'd be like, play this one next. He was singing with you. I so know. That and too. Renee, and you did Hamilton with Renee. Yes, but Teresa sang like half the soundtrack of Hamilton, <laughs> which was awesome. So tough. We man. sang to both of my dogs, who are both named after like songs. So I have Lucy videos of everybody Lucy singing to the dogs. <laughs> and Jolene. And Jolene. Yes, good, good times. <laughs> Let's see what other updates I have. Uh, so I have a show related update. <gasps> if you have been with us for a while, like, you know, close to 100 episodes on episode uh, 60, I talked about the story of the poltergeist teen. It was um, Tina Resch Boyer. I remember was mm-hmm. a Georgia teenager. Well, it, I think all this started before she was in Georgia. But, you know, the the story of Tina Resch Boyer, it was a it. It was really interesting to me, and it ended up being a story of someone who we, I personally believe was wrongly convicted and imprisoned for mm-hmm. a crime that it seems pretty likely she didn't commit. Uh, at the beginning of August, they released an ABC News Studios three-part series called yeah. Demons and Saviors Yes, that um, you can watch online. I think it was, I think it was on Netflix. I can't Netflix, Hulu, somewhere. Check it out. Um, it documents Christina Boyer's case. And sees that surrounded it, the reasons why there are a bunch of people who have been kind of trying to petition for her to not be in prison for the rest of her life. So if you're interested in that case, go back. I mean, go back and listen to our episode yeah. 68. Go online, watch Demons and Saviors. Um, it is kind of cool to see the people, you know, like when, when you mm-hmm. do it on a podcast, you don't have that visual. Right. But um, it's interesting to take on it that way. But, you know, a lot of the information is the same. And um, so watch it if you're interested in keeping tabs on what's going on or if you would like to. She does get email communication. It can be spotty sometimes, but there are ways to reach out to her if you just want to send letters of support or if you want to find out what you can do. You can still join the free Tina Resch Boyer group on Facebook and just get updates on how she's doing. Um, She usually would send out like a monthly kind of uh, message to all the people who are on the group to just let them know what's been going on in her life and what happens mm-hmm. when parole hearings come up and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, just an update on that episode. I think it's on Hulu. I started watching it. It's, yeah, it's I watched really, it. Yeah. yeah, I watched it. I like part of me part of me wished it had gone a little further actually, but you know, I'm glad that it's got some new eyes. You know, there are more people who are interested in that that Facebook group has 
gotten an uptick in some of those people are like assholes. Some mm-hmm. of those people that have shown there are, are mm-hmm. trolls. And so, you know, they've had to do a little bit more patrolling, I think, and monitoring of the feed. Yeah. You know, the, somebody somebody who's rated like this for as long as she has and in the situation that she's in could probably use all the support she can get. So, yeah, just hit that up. Nice. That said, I guess, are we ready to go? Yeah. Okay. I have a story. I have a story. Pause. We have to pee. Ah! I keep forgetting. Yeah. Start again. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and you can join our Facebook fan group, The Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or air? Email us at story at the strange south. If you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get free swag, extras, exclusives, and a discount on merch. You can find links to all these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode. Strange South t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and other goodies. See you there. (laughs) Your couch says twat. (laughs) I didn't realize you were laying on the twat. I am laying on the twat. (laughs) The twat towel. Which just sounds even worse. The twat. <laughs> what do you do on there? Um, ear pissing. Ear pissing. <laughs> All right. And we're back. We never left. It's like we never left. So here's my story. This is a story from 1932. So 1932, at the beginning of the Depression, society is looking for, like, there were, true crime stories were very popular then as they are now. I think some of it was escapism. They, but I'm um, in the early 1930s. I don't think I really realized the timeline on this until I started the story. But there was a fascination in the idea of the old South in the 1930s. The idea of the antebellum South had kind of had was more of a thing. And so people had seen, you know, kind of they were kind of fascinated by the idea of like the glamour that the old South and also like these ideas of the decay that came after the war. There was a the Garden Club in Natchez, Mississippi wanted to kind of capitalize on some of the country's fascination with the Old South. And they decided that they were going to start their first annual tour of Natchez homes is what they called it. Because in that area, there were tons of really big plantation homes. There still is. Yeah. And yeah. they like because they continued to crazy yeah. just I to mean, drive through there and you're just like, holy fuck. Yes. Yeah. And so they started to realize like, OK, we're actually interested in this outside of our area and maybe they'll come down. Mm. And so they started to tout this first annual pilgrimage of homes. Are you talking about the pilgrimage? No. OK. Why? Oh, well, are you going to? No, but I, something that was very big in Columbus and... As a young girl, it's kind of like, was your thing to be part of the pilgrimage? I had like the hoop skirt yeah. and stuff like that. So I did that. Did you really? Mm-hmm. I did like tour the homes yeah. with like talking about the architecture and the furniture that was made and stuff like that. They did talk about how like even from the very first one, they Each did tourism. have people dressing like in more period clothes. And they had and they said like the black community contributed a lot to the success of it, unfortunately, because they had a lot of the black community like basically portray the entire yeah. time at that very beginning. I don't know that they do I that mixed, now. I have 
Yeah, it, it was horrible. Yeah, it, it was horrible. Like, understand that. But you mean wearing the hoop skirt? Well, no, actually, it's very like the hoop skirt. I love the hoop skirt. Man, there was like a nice air it was stuff. Horrible to recreate, but it, like the 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 recreation mm-hmm. of it, you know, glorifying the old, glorifying South. the old South. I mean, growing up in it and growing up around all the racism and stuff. I, it's just it's. It's like I understand, but it's like I learned a lot about, you know, architecture and furniture builders and, you know, things that happened there, even though it was whitewashed. So I have fond memories of that, but completely understanding like my uh, my naivety and my um my getting only one side of the story mm-hmm. and how it was being profit um, and how it was putting mm-hmm. the continuous of the glamorous, you know, Dixie. Mm-hmm. It's that, that kind of meme for this whole story. It reminds me of an episode of Designing Women. Oh, really? My favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, is Jul- it the one where they're dressed up? Julia's house goes on the tour of homes yes. and she ends up having a whole kind of scarlet O against yes. everyone coming in her That's a house. big one. Big one. Oh, it's a good one. One of the classic <laughs> Julia's. Oh, yeah. Julia Sugarbaker. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this was a 1932 was the very first year they did this this tour. And it's interesting because. Not that long after they did this tour, they were in the news again because and uh, what they called at that time an elderly aristocratic woman, she was 68 years old, was murdered in her home in Natchez in one of the like plantations. And suspected were these two very weird eccentric characters lived in a dilapidated mansion next door. And the story became a sensation really fast because it played on all of the different sides of this weird fascination that the rest of the nation had with the area. And it became the story of the year. And it is the story of Goat Castle. Patrice is nodding like, I know this one. I know this one. I figured you had to. I'm scared every time I go into Mississippi because I feel like I'm taking some. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, no. You, You can totally have it. This what I'm actually almost all of what I'm going to tell you comes from a true story of murder, race and the Gothic South by Karen Cox. So Jenny Miller, Jenny, uh, Jenny Merrill is uh, the woman who was in question. She was the daughter of a cotton man. Her grandfather is one of the richest men in the South before the Civil War and actually one of the richest men in the country. The family lived in Natchez in a beautiful Greek revival plantation house. And Jenny was born in 1863, in the exact same month that Union troops showed up in Natchez. So, like, right. I mean, at 100% the wrong time, she's born Unionist. Oh. So, there's anything I say, if you have questions about it, the book goes into so much glorious detail on this stuff, and it's definitely worth a read. But he ended up during the war with the rest of the family. Jenny's mother died when she was young, they were up north. Um, her dad, whose name was Ayers Merrill, he stayed a U.S. ambassador to Belgium. That's two different. That's two names. I know JSU it's two buildings. names of JSU buildings. <laughs> Ayers and Merrill. He became senator to Belgium. He entertained President Grant abroad. I mean, his his daughters all went abroad with him. So she was very well educated. She was exposed to European society as a child. And then when they came back stateside, Ayers died when she was she was twenty years old when he died. She became a New York philanthropist and she was a society lady in New York. She was involved in all these Episcopal women's groups who, you know, helped immigrants, helped women and children. Um, she spent time in Memphis, Baltimore, New Orleans. 
And um, she even did a speaking tour when she was younger, uh, like mid 20s to early 30s for reform projects for the immigrant community and things like that. So she did this speaking and this activism until she's, she never married. And then she moved to Natchez back to where her family was from. Two of her cousins who still live down there were apparently madly in love with her. One of them, his name was Duncan Minor. They both pursued her, but she just never really showed any interest in them. Like when they started to put the pressure on, she would like go to Louisiana for like months at a time. (laughs) But eventually she did really little in Natchez. She bought a house called Glen Burnie on a few acres, you know, for it was like a house or two. I mean, when you're talking acres and plantation houses, your next door neighbor is not really exactly, but like she was basically a house away from um, the property called Elms Court, which her, the rest of her family kind of still lived in. That was the Greek revival place. And it that place, so the place that she bought, Glen Burnie, it wasn't Greek revival. You know, it wasn't two stories grand, but it was still kind of a grand house. I mean, it, it still had really high pillars, full wraparound porches. It's still a mansion, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just slightly less imposing the ones that you think of on these tours. Um, She let a few black tenants stay on the property, but really all in all, Jenny kind of turned into a recluse. Also very gothic. Very gothic, right? Mm -hmm. The whole thing just plays right into this idea. Mm -hmm. She had a big inheritance. She was obviously still very wealthy, even when it hit into the Depression times. like there for the years before the depression she would still dress in high new york fashion whenever she would go out like she drove a fast car but her new york fashion like paused on the date that she left new york so she never really updated she still she dressed in outdated high society fashion from the north Mm -hmm. and she always dressed to the nines um so she was kind of eccentric in her own way that way um, she didn't really entertain. She very anything. But her cousin Duncan, who was one of the two that had been in love with her his entire life, he would visit her every night from his house at Elms. I think he was at Elms Court to hers. So he would just ride his horse over there every evening, check in, you know, see how she was, have a chat. She had a reputation for actually being very hard on her employees. And she was mm-hmm. a very strict person. But, you know, generally people didn't stuff about her. Then in 1916, the property next door got a set of new owners and there weren't really owners because they got the property sort of through a lawsuit the property was technically family home of this man named dick dana but it had been sold at auction to jenny's cousin duncan dick's family had never paid taxes on it like in ages and a friend of dick dana's um her name was octavia dockery filed a lawsuit on his behalf saying that because he was ill And really what that meant was he was mentally unhealthy. Like Mm -hmm. this guy wasn't right. But he was a grown adult. And he had this woman who is much older than him who's writing a a complaint, who's who's filing a lawsuit against Duncan saying like, well, the bill of sale needs to be voided because this man rightly inherit this property and he can't go anywhere else because he's ill. And somehow that worked. Her lawsuit worked and Dick and Octavia moved into Glenwood Manor. Octavia ended up acting as Dick's caretaker. So Dick Dana's family had at one point was well enough off to, but both of his parents died in their fifties and he never really found his way in the world. Like he went up North, tried to play piano. He, he injured his hand and couldn't do it anymore and, and came back. But it was like by the 37, he lived in a boarding house in oh. Natchez. He just didn't really have anything else. And where he met this woman, Octavia Dockery. 
Sorry, it might be hard to keep these people separate. No, they're just no. they're just showing up though, right? Showing she's up, helping yeah. him because she knows he's got some. Yeah, house. she's got some issues, That's or some he's house, got some issues, house wealth. In, and he's got house wealth. <laughs> so Octavia was originally from Arkansas. I think all the rest of the people in this story were born in Natchez or around the area. Her family was farmers, and they were the type of farmers who had moved to cotton country to take advantage of the boom. Like they weren't from here. But, you know, they wanted what it had and they did fairly well for themselves. They didn't do like mansion on the river well, but they did. They did okay. When war broke, her father, Thomas, went into the Confederate Army and he served as a general by the time the war was over. But, you know, made bad choices, finances, embarrassments, affairs, whatever. The just normal southern story. Normal, yeah. It's the story <laughs> of the yeah. So Octavia, <laughs> made bad choices. exactly made bad choices. The men made bad choices. <laughs> Octavia and her sister are well educated, but they just don't have a lot of opportunities because of the situation they're coming from. She was a she wanted to be a writer, and she worked at it, and she was actually published in over the years, but she never really made a life of it at all. She had suitors, but she never married. She lived in the house's husband. When they got married, he was like, okay, well, your dad's died. I promised your dad that I would take care of you so you can live in my house until you marry. Well, she never married. So she lived in his house with her sister and him and their family for ages. He kind of fell on hard times also. And he would take in boarders at the home. You know, they're back in Mississippi now. He would take in boarders. And like I said, one of the boarders is Dick Dana. And she's 44 when they met. And he was 37, I think. Oh, that's not much. And she, Mm -hmm. no, it's not too, it's not too terribly different. Um, But pretty early on that he had either a mental sort of deficiency or a mental health issue. So even when they're at the boarding house, she kind of took him Mm. under her wing and and he was somebody that she just decided she's going to take care of. And through a course of different things, I'm not going to get into lawsuits, you know, weirdness, sneakiness and squatters on Glenwood land. So even though Glenwood was his legal property at some point, because of the tax arrears and all this other stuff, people, it had changed hands, stayed there, though. They, never, they weren't going to pay taxes on it. There's this big old mansion. They're just going to live there. So that's where they are. This whole thing happens with Jenny's trying to buy the land mm-hmm. and she files a lawsuit, all this stuff. So they end, up, they end up being allowed to stay on the property. A year later, 1917, Glenwood, I mean, I don't know if you can even appreciate this unless you see the photos, mm-hmm. but... Glenwood was massive. It was the quintessential like two building porches all the way across the front, top level, bottom level. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's this it's got four chimneys. But now, you know, nobody's two people squatting in that. That takes up in a house like that without people to help you keep it up. Especially if you're not these two. I mean, just think about what I mean. They used the enslaved people for that part of that reason. Mm -hmm. And then if not, you had to have a staff of servants. Exactly. I mean, just just think, I mean, just this. That's what I was going to say. I can't even fucking. I mean, our yard got mowed for the first time in like two weeks yesterday. Much less keeping up two stories. Yeah. I mean, and and it's it's so. I mean, Patrice's house is bigger than both of ours, I think. And And it's, I mean, it's it's so hard. It's yeah. just hard. And, and I don't is, do it. I pay people. For real. Exactly. And it was like, I'll go broke paying I mean, people to come up. 
I know. It's got to be in disrepair and just it's they probably just living in like two rooms. I'm sure it doesn't have electricity. It sure doesn't, doesn't have the thing. So water. It I'm hasn't sure. had proper owners for a really long time and they're squatting. They can't afford to pay anything. So it doesn't have running water. Sure, like Red Dead Resumption too. Probably. There's like this plantation house that's in disrepair. It's very Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. It may be based on Southern Gothic. It's mm-hmm. like got like the kind of the green kind of like wallpaper that's torn yes. you can see like the the underneath the the wall kind of stuff it's like the the porches are rotting away There's you know there are broken stuff i mean the roofs are rotten possums the chimneys are collapsing from the outside so big just chunks of rock will just fall off mm-hmm. You know, inside, you know, we're not just Mississippi. The humidity is peeling everything off the walls. There's broken furniture. There's old carriages in the front yard. Octavia sleeps on a moldy mattress upstairs that sits next to a four-poster bed that just doesn't have a mattress on it. I mean, it's just random shit. She's she's not much of a housekeeper anyways. And given, like, what you just said about the size of this house, it's mm-hmm. it's impossible she planted some crops because like I, they didn't have any way of getting money. So she planted crops. She started putting out chickens, pigs, and goats on the property. Um, she would sell milk and eggs, but they didn't have a money. They didn't have money to build a corral. Yeah, I was just going to say, still fence. one woman doing that? I know. She's working her ass off. Yeah, for real. Dick and Octavia just let the goats go in and out of the house, though. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, well, it's picture. not even just that they wander. It's that they live with them. So mm-hmm. they they walk up the steps and onto the porch. They go into the living room. They ate all the books in the library. They ate the paper off the walls up to a goat's height. Chickens are nesting in the bookshelves mm-hmm. where the, the goats have emptied mm-hmm. it of books. It's like the southern version of Grey Gardens. I, I really mm-hmm. thought of Grey Gardens when I was reading mm-hmm. these descriptions and looking at these pictures. Because you can tell how grand it is still in the pictures of how horrible it was then you can still i mean there are these beautiful gorgeous giant four poster beds and these huge mirrors above the fireplace and they're just tilting away and there's black mold on the ceiling above them i mean it's just it's really creepy i mean it is the epitome of the southern gothic Mm -hmm. aesthetic dick at this point now we've reached to the point where he's in his late 50s it's been a minute it's been a minute Mm mm-hmm Sometimes would run around the property in a loincloth and like swing from trees. He was this bony little man. He was creepy. Black folk in the area gave them the nicknames the wild man and the goat woman. And Glenwood got the nickname of goat. Everybody knew the goats lived, the in goats the lived inside. I wonder where the goat name was coming in. The hogs and the goats would wander to Jenny's property and the decorative roses and plants and landscaping that she had put there and she would call the sheriff. It just would never get fixed. Like they were literally on the phone to the sheriff like every day. And Jenny dogs and goats coming and eating all her stuff that she would either shoot them herself or she would ask someone to come over and she would sell them like on the spot if they arrived. Jenny and Octavia basically kept the sheriff in money like constantly because he was their whole job for practically like 10 years. They were his whole job. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. they were his whole job. Got it. They, they filed suits and countersuits and claims and counterclaims for damages against each other. Increasingly, oh my God. so much that the lawyers would get mixed up which case they were talking about when they were talking about cases. And eventually one of their lawsuits even made it all the way to the Mississippi Supreme Court. And the interesting, it's worth remembering that like Jenny's, she feels like Octavia should be held responsible because, you know, there, I mean, there's some sense. They're her animals. She is letting them wander. They're damaging her stuff. But she's asking this woman who obviously has less than nothing 
to pay these damages. And she has money to plant new plants or, you know, even build a fence. a fence. Yes, build fence. a fence. Yeah, build, spite fence. Uh, spite fence. But yes. this goes on and on and on. And it's still going on in 1982. More than a decade of lawsuits. My God. A decade of bad blood. And now the depression is on and mm-hmm. everything just got a lot worse. So meanwhile, a little more on the cast of characters. Okay. On the other side of town... There's a woman named Emily Smith Burns. She's a young black woman. She does laundry for a living. Her nickname is Sister. Everybody in the community calls her Sister. She's been raised in Natchez. Her parents had experienced slavery in Natchez. And this means everybody, you know, people had been freed. But of course, we know Jim Crow made it so that very little change had really happened. So many people moved north starting in 1910 with the Great Migration. But Emily's family kind of chose the devil, you know, you know. And also it's expensive to have a choice and have the means to go anywhere. And that was intentional or or just bad luck yeah and they had you know they had their family there it wasn't just like taking one person and moving it was you know uprooting right so in 1911 she was 16 she married a man named edward burns he was 10 her at the time they lived in natchez like spitting distance from the place where enslaved people were in town before emancipation and a lot of the black community still lived in this little area just to show how little change had really happened her husband died in the late 20s, her dad died shortly after. So at the beginning of the 30s, she's a 35-year-old widow. She's living with her 53-year-old widowed mom. They're both trying to make ends meet. They take in borders. And one of their borders in 1932 is a man named Pink Williams, who goes by a couple other names also. Pink is 20 years older than Emily. He is put together. He's a good-looking guy. He wears nice suits. He's clean. It, like He's got a nice little, like fancy mustache he keeps his hair cropped short he's a good looking guy he's also from now but he was one of those that moved during the migration um he moved to chicago made a full life from chicago he worked for a refinery he got married twice he had a grown daughter he's still married to a second wife and he's doing really well and then the depression hits and everybody loses their job and so he decides to move back to natchez to find work asking around for jobs and he he remembers okay this guy named duncan minor who is jenny's cousin i worked for him once i'm gonna go ask him he goes there and duncan's like absolutely not you know we don't have anything for you we don't have any money which is not true um he goes to jenny jenny says absolutely not we don't have any money we don't have anything for you later in testimony duncan says that pink was quote unquote insolent when he was turned down, which is a telling word to use mm-hmm. um, because it just really says like, I'm still the boss here mm-hmm. and you're getting uppity. So Pink keeps looking and he ends up at Jenny's at Glenwood and he's talking to Dick Dana and Octavia Dockery. This is August 4th, 1932. And they, to a, you know, they obviously don't have money to pay him for mm-hmm. all the billion. You know, he came because, you know, obviously their place needs a lot of work. But when he eyes is like, they're not going to be able to pay me for anything, started a conversation and they start talking about the haves and the have nots. And they start talking about the way that the society works and how much they hate some of these people. They start talking about Jenny in particular, Mm -hmm. because, of course, Octavia is ready to talk about how horrible Jenny is. And Octavia says, hey, you know what? I heard Jenny Merrill out of the bank because of the crash and she hides it in her house. That's what I heard. Mm -hmm. And they all obviously needed a lot more than she does. Plus, she's a bitch. Mm-hmm. So they hatch a plan to rob her that very night. Mm-hmm. And this is where Randy will pause. If you want to know how the rest of the story goes, mm-hmm. make sure you listen to the next episode.
Yay. Thanks y'all for listening. Bye. Bye y'all. Oh man. Do you want to pause? Do you want to actually stop it? Start the next one? Yeah, because I can finish it. I get to hear it, (laughs) y'all.